Welcome to the Christian History Podcast, Chapter 2, Episode 21, The History of Alam. Two weeks ago, after many episodes, I wrapped up the Sumerians, and last week I covered the ancient city of Haran. If you missed any of those episodes, you should really go back and give them a listen. This week, I'm starting the history of the Elamites, one of the Sumerians' chief rivals for many centuries. Remember, the Bible tells us that Abraham was Sumerian, and very early in his story, he fights the Elamites. This history will explore how the Elamites were covered in the Bible, as well as their history as we now understand it. Once again, the episode length exceeds my target, so I'm splitting it up into two. I'll begin Elam this week and wrap it up next. So let's get started. Like I covered last week in Genesis 11, the narrative explains how Abraham, his wife Sarai, his father Terah, and his nephew Lot all set out from Ur to Haran, a city on the present-day border of Turkey and Syria. They were headed to Canaan, but for some unknown reason, they never made it that far. I covered Haran last week. In Genesis 12, God called Abraham to leave Haran, so he did, accompanied by Sarai and Lot. They finally completed the journey to Canaan. I'll get to Canaan in due time. Abraham did not stop there, but kept going, east of Bethel, passing between Bethel and Ai. He kept going towards Negev, then to Egypt. After an indeterminate period in Egypt, they returned to Negev, where he became very wealthy. Some time later, he left Negev and traveled to a place between Bethel and Ai, both located on the present-day West Bank. At this point, Lot leaves because the land could not support both of their flocks of livestock. Lot headed for the plain surrounding the Jordan River near Sodom. Abraham continued to live in the land of Canaan, specifically near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron. The Perizzites lived in the same area. I'll get to them too, later. This background brings us to Genesis chapter 14 and the subject of this episode, Alam. But first, I'm going to back up just a bit. I walked through the text of chapter 14 last week, and now for Alam specifically. The book of Isaiah in chapters 11, 21, and 22, as well as the book of Jeremiah in chapter 25, also mention Alam. So that's where the Elamites are found in the Bible. How about the history as known by archaeologists and historians? Elam was an ancient civilization centered in the far west and southwest of what is now modern-day Iran, stretching from the lowlands of what is now Khuzestan in the Ilam province, as well as a small part of southern Iraq. It was located on the very northern end of the Persian Gulf. The modern name Elam stems from the Sumerian name Elam, along with the later Akkadian name Elamtu, and the Elamite word Haltamatai. Alam was among the leading political forces of the ancient Near East. In classical literature, Alam was also sometimes referred to as Susiana, a name derived from its capital, Susa. From about 8000 to 3700 BC, the Fertile Crescent witnessed the spread of small settlements supported by an agricultural surplus, primarily due to the invention of canal-based irrigation. The Mesopotamian civilization emerged during the period from about 3700 to 2900 BC. Amid the development of technological innovations such as the plow, sailing boats, and copper metalworking, 
Clay tablets with pictographic characters appeared in this period to record commercial transactions performed by the temples. I've already covered the civilizations that developed in Sumer, but the same catalysts drove development in Elam. The most important proto-Elamite sites were in Susa and Ashan, both located essentially in modern-day Iran. As a note, archaeologists call these people proto-Elamite because they are thought to have inhabited the area before the establishment of the Elamite culture proper. Texts in the still undeciphered Proto-Elamite script found in Susa date to this period. Some archaeologists believe that the Proto-Elamites were in fact true Elamites, meaning they spoke the Elamite language and practiced what is believed to be the same culture. This is due to the many similarities, such as the building of ziggurats. Also, there was no large-scale migration to this area that occurred between the Proto-Elamite period and the later Elamites. However, because their script is still yet to be deciphered, this theory remains unproven. Some anthropologists, such as John Alden of the University of Michigan, maintain that the Proto-Elamite influence grew rapidly at the end of the 4th millennium BC and declined equally rapidly with the establishment of maritime trade in the Persian Gulf several centuries later. But who truly knows? Proto-Elamite pottery dating back to the last half of the 5th millennium BC has been found at Tepe Shylock in central Iran, where Proto-Elamite writing, the first form of writing in Iran, was found on tablets of this date. The first cylinder seals are also thought to have been utilized during the Proto-Elamite period. So what is a cylinder seal? Well, quite simply, it's a small round cylinder, typically about 1 inch or 2 centimeters in length engraved with written characters or figurative scenes, and it was used to roll an impression on a two-dimensional surface, generally wet clay. Cylinder seals were invented around 3500 BC in this region, at the contemporary sites of Susa in southwestern Iran and Uruk in southern Mesopotamia. They are linked to the invention of cuneiform writing on clay tablets. I'll post a photo of a cylinder seal on the podcast Facebook page. They were used as an administrative tool and a form of signature as well. In later periods, they were used to notarize clay documents. Elam was part of the early urbanization within the region during the period that preceded the Bronze Age. In Elam, written records have been found dating back to about 3000 BC, which should not come as a surprise as neighboring Sumer's written records date about to the same time. During the Middle Bronze Age, about 2000 BC, this kingdom was generally based in the Iranian plateau, centered in Ashan. Ashan is located in south-central present-day Iran, about 100 miles or 161 kilometers inland from the Persian Gulf. But, from about the mid-2nd millennium BC, it was centered in Susa, in the Khuzestan lowlands. Susa was located in present-day western Iran, about 150 miles or 241 kilometers due north from the northernmost point of the Persian Gulf. It was also about the same distance east of the Tigris River. Susa was essentially located in the Iranian province of Khuzestan, around the river Karun. Its culture persisted past the decline of the empire into the Persian Achaemenid dynasty that succeeded it. Also similar to Sumer, its language, Elamite, remained among the few languages in use. Elamite is generally accepted to be an isolated language, and therefore it's generally thought of as being unrelated to the much later arriving Persian and Iranic languages. 
In ancient times, several names were used to describe this area. The great ancient geographer Ptolemy was the earliest to call the area Susiana, referring to the country around Susa. As an aside, Ptolemy was a Greco-Egyptian writer known as a mathematician, astronomer, geographer, astrologer, and poet. He lived in the city of Alexandria in the Roman province of Egypt, wrote in Koine Greek, and held Roman citizenship. Other than that, few reliable details of his life were known. Remember that Koine Greek was also the language of the New Testament. Another ancient geographer, Strabo, who was from Greece and also a philosopher and historian, viewed Alam and Susiana as two different geographic regions. He referred to Alam, or in his words, the land of Elamai, as primarily the highland of Khuzestan, not a specific city. As you might expect, throughout history, the geographic definitions of the area and these place names may have been very fluid. As such, some ancient sources draw a distinction between Alam as the highland area of Khuzestan and Susiana as the lowland area. Yet in other ancient sources, Alam and Susiana seem to refer to the same place. Such is the life of a researcher when ancient documents are few and seemingly contradictory. Knowledge of Elamite history is largely fragmented and has been reconstructed from sources outside of their kingdom. Specifically, information concerning the empire is derived from primarily Mesopotamian sources such as Sumerian, Akkadian, Assyrian, and Babylonian records. The history of Elam is usually divided into three periods, the total of which spans more than 2,000 years. The period before the first Elamite period is known as the Proto-Elamite period, like I mentioned before, and it lasted from about 3200 to 2700 BC. The first period of Elamite history is known as the Old Elamite period, and lasted from about 2700 to 1600 BC. Next, there is the Middle Elamite period from approximately 1500 to 1100 BC, and last, there is the Neo-Elamite period from about 1100 to 540 BC. In these episodes, I'll follow Elam through the Middle period, but recognize that that's well after the time when Abraham was thought to have lived. When I get further into the Old Testament, I'll cover the Neo-Elamite period. The Proto-Elamite civilization began east of the Tigris and Euphrates alluvial plains of southern Mesopotamia. It spanned from the lowlands near the coast of the Persian Gulf to the highland areas to the north and east. Very early in the period, at least three Proto-Elamite states merged to form Elam. They were the Ashan, located in the modern Iranian province of Kazuzistan. Kazuzistan is in the extreme southwestern corner of Iran, at the far northern tip of the Persian Gulf and borders Iraq. Next, there was Awan, located in the modern Iranian province of Loristan, which lies essentially due north of Kazuzistan. Finally, there was Shemashaki, located near the modern Iranian province of Kerman, in the southeastern corner of Iran, near its border with Afghanistan and Pakistan. All in all, these three areas span about 200,000 square miles, or 530,000 square kilometers. To put that in perspective, that's an area about the size of the nation of Spain. And for those of you in the U.S., it's somewhere between the size of California and Texas. For that time period, and even in terms of the nations that currently occupy the Middle East, it was a rather large area. 
Historical references to Awan are generally older than those to Ashan, and some researchers suggest that both states may have encompassed the same territory during different eras. The state of Elam was formed from these two older states as a response to the invasion from Sumer during the old Elamite period. The perceived strength of the Elamites was based on the ability to hold these various areas together under a loosely coordinated government. Also, this loose government structure allowed a somewhat easier trade of natural resources unique to each region. The Proto-Elamite city of Susa was founded somewhere around 4000 BC on the banks of the river Karun. It is considered to be the site where the pre-Elamite culture formed. During its early history, it fluctuated between submission to Mesopotamia and others. Similar to what I mentioned when I covered the history of the Sumerians, researchers relied greatly on uncovered pottery to draw conclusions about the societies. The oldest uncovered artifacts are pottery that has no equivalent in Mesopotamia. But for the seceding period, the excavated material is similar to and therefore allows identification with the culture of Sumer of the Uruk period. This, of course, seems to indicate that the two societies came into contact around this time. Proto-Elamite influence from Mesopotamia and Susa becomes visible in about 3200 BC, and texts in the still undeciphered Proto-Elamite writing system continue to be present until about 2700 BC. The Proto-Elamite period ends with the establishment of the Awan dynasty. The earliest known historical figure connected with Elam is the king Imabargasi of Kish in Sumer. Remember him? He's the one who conquered Elam around 2650 BC, according to the Sumerian king list. Elamite history can only be traced from records dating to the beginning of the Akkadian Empire, around 2335 BC and afterwards. The Old Elamite period began around 2700 BC. During this period, there were three dynasties. The twelve kings of each of the first two dynasties are known, specifically those of Awan from about 2400 to 2100 BC and Shamash from about 2100 to 1970 BC. Two Elamite dynasties are said to have exercised brief control over the parts of Sumer in the very early times and include Awan and Hamazai. And likewise, several of the stronger Sumerian rulers, such as Enatuam of Lagash and Lugoana Mundu of Adab, are recorded as temporarily ruling Alam. The Awan dynasty came into existence at about the same time as the Mesopotamian emperor Sargon of Akkad, who not only defeated the Awan king Luhiashan and ruled over Susa, also attempted to make the East Semitic Akkadian the official language there. From this time forward, Historical Mesopotamia sources referring to Elam become more frequent. Since the Mesopotamians had developed an interest in natural resources, such as wood, stone, and metal from the area around Elam, it seems that in this way, they have much in common with our modern society. You need look no further than how much the people of the West involved themselves in the dealings of the Middle East only because of the natural resource of oil found there. During the old Elamite period, Military expeditions from Sumer to the area became more common. With the collapse of Akkad under Shar Kalishari, Elam declared independence under the last Awan king, Kutuk in Shishanak, who ruled from about 2240 to 2220 BC. At that time, they shunned the Akkadian language, instead, using what is referred to as linear Elamite script. After they declared their independence from Akkad, 
Kutu Inshushak conquered Susa and Ashan and seems to have achieved some sort of political unity in the region. Following his reign, the Awan dynasty collapsed as Alam was temporarily overrun by the Guti, the same time that they overran Sumer. Refer back a few episodes for the reasons why this occurred. And don't forget to think about the drought. About a century later, the Sumerian king Shulgi of the Neo-Sumerian Empire, remember sometimes referred to as the Sumerian Renaissance, retook the city of Susa and the surrounding region. During the first part of the rule of Simasi dynasty, Elam was under intermittent attack from the Sumerians of Mesopotamia and also the Gutians from present-day northwestern Iran and Turkey, alternating periods of war with periods of peace. Shusin of Ur, for example, gave one of his daughters in marriage to a prince of Ashan. About a century later, the Sumerian king Shulgi of the Neo-Sumerian Empire, sometimes referred to as the Sumerian Renaissance, retook the city of Susa and the surrounding region. But the power of the Sumerians was quickly waning. Ibisin in the 21st century did not manage to penetrate far into Elam, and in 2004 BC, the Elamites, allied with the people of Susa and led by the king Kindatu, the sixth king of Shimshik, managed to take Ur and lead Ibisin into captivity, thus ending the third dynasty of Ur. The Akkadian kings of Ishin, the successor state of Ur, did manage to drive the Elamites out of Ur, rebuild the city, and returned the statue of Nana that the Elamites had plundered. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode. Next week, I'll finish up the Elamites and set the stage for the next society I will cover. As always, you can find information about the podcast on the internet at christianhistorypodcast.com. Comments and questions can be sent to comments at christianhistorypodcast.com. You can also find the Facebook page by searching the phrase Christian History Podcast as three separate words. Once there, be sure to like the page. And if you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to subscribe so you can get the episodes as soon as they are released. Go to iTunes and give the podcast a positive review. Like I've mentioned so many times before, and like some of you have taken me up on, of all the requests I make, this has got to be the most important. The number of reviews increases the ranking, which in turn makes it easier for other listeners to find it. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.